0: back we are back welcome everyone to match point number nine of tennis beds podcast i am one of three hosts here david ej Berger. you can find our show handle at mp9 tennis on twitter and all the socials these days if this is your first time listening chance I found us welcome hello if you're a returning listener a returning champion welcome back with me as always my number one tennis talking bro derek derek hello and uh do i see any sweat beads dripping oh, down for your, your south beach yeah. parlay as, uh
1: I'm just soaking wet in my own sweat. So I'll give you a quick update. Uh, Last week, I was on cloud nine. Is there something called like cloud negative nine? If there is, that's a terrible phrase, but it would describe my emotional state towards this uh, parlay that I got going. Panthers did their job. The heat, on the other hand, I might potentially be part of the very first Reverse sweep, you know NBA history might just lose this plus nine hundred bet because of that. Who knows? Hopefully, I don't. But it's looking like that uh, on the upside. We got the French Open starting in a couple of days on Sunday, to be exact. So we can stop worrying about my Miami Heat sorrows and we can talk about tennis instead.
0: Yes, for any new listeners, Derek had a uh, a series parlay with the the Florida Panthers and the Miami Heat. Now the Heat are um, on the brink of collapse. Sorry about your luck, Derek. Let's go from California to Canada here. We got Mr. John Reed. You can find him at Jarrett Tweets Tennis. He does betting content for his own brand, Tidbits Tennis, The Action Network, Betting Expert, Hammer HQ. He does tennis form recaps. John, I see you did uh, your own preview as well with the Hammer HQ, so check that out.
2: Uh, it was a fun time. Vinny, Vinny knows his stuff, man. Vinny's an OG in the tennis betting space, too. He's been around since well, since I started being a casual in the space in 2016. He's He was one of the people that uh, I talked to first, and he was already watching Challengers, And like Elena Ostapenko at ITFs, he better 100 to one to win the 2017 French. And I was like, man, this guy's way too into tennis. And now here I am six years later. So, you know, right there with him, just way too into tennis. But uh, this is the best, one of the best times of the year, right? We got a, a slam to talk about. So stealth in.
0: Speaking of a Grand Slam, uh, we wanted to make a a, a Grand Slam podcast here. So we brought in a ringer here. We brought in a special guest. His name is uh, Zach Cohen. You can find him at underscore ZCO on Twitter. He's a reporter and editor for VSYN Live. I listen to vSIN almost every day. So very excited to have you on here, Zach. You also writer and betting analyst for Tennis.com, Tennis Bets, and Tennis Channel. I also saw you did a little preview today on the Tennis Bets handle here. You also do some NBA draft work for Real GM. Welcome in, Zach.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, I did do a little preview today with Tennis Channel. Uh, We did a Tennis Bets live where we hit on some stuff for the French Open. And over at v I did a a betting guide with kind of a few picks I like, but mostly just kind of getting into the strategy. betting the french open kind of teaching people you know a little bit about the surfaces a little bit what i look for in clay tournaments and kind of you know how to take advantage of live betting on clay which is you know something that could be really profitable compared to other uh you know other surfaces
0: all right well between the stuff that zach and, and john have already done in this podcast you should be covered for Roland Garros so let's hop into our own preview here this is exciting let's just jump right in our Roland Garros tournament preview the 127th edition of this event is about to get underway and for the first time without rafa or roger since 1998 which is pretty incredible yes no rafa means this thing is pretty wide open considering he's won it 14 times since 2005 he's owned this thing now there are past winners back in the draw djokovic won this in 2021 and 2016 stan Wawrinka won it in 2015 given that stan is an obvious long shot djokovic is a shaky favorite with his recent form on clay and in dubious injury situation elbow shoulder who knows Safe to say there's a solid chance a new champion will be crowned from this 128-player field. In fact, DraftKings has it booked at minus 330 for a new champ. So, there you go. To win, the champ will have to win seven matches in a row on red clay. So, let's talk about the court speed here. And Now, this is the slowest slam, but the conditions can play quicker. In 2021, Roger Federer said after his round three win against Marin Cilic, sometimes people think clay is slow. It's not that slow. It's actually mostly faster than hard courts nowadays unless you go to Cincinnati or Shanghai. Uh, But other than that, if you're playing on a day where it's actually quite warm, clay can actually be somewhat on the faster side. Riley Opelka on the Craig Shapiro podcast a couple months ago said the French was faster than Wimbledon. Now, I think we have to take all this with a grain of salt, but the point remains conditions can be livelier than we expect especially on warmer days. And uh, I want to open the floor here. Zach, you you mentioned you were talking some tips uh, about the surface. Uh, What do you look for here in Roland Garros?
3: Yeah, I guess specifically a live betting on the surface. I know that it's, they all say it's a little bit faster, but it is clay still, you know, there's still going to be more breaks of serve. So you see a player that you like a lot, go down early in a set. Like you could probably bet that that guy is going to come back and potentially win that set or, you know, even win a match. So it's something where you should be really keeping an eye on the live markets because I do think there's going to be some breaks of serve. There are some lopsided sets at the French Open, too. So, yeah, it's just something to keep an eye on. But, yeah, with, in terms of uh, the the speeds being a bit faster, I think that you saw with like players like Sabalenka this year, you know, they're still going to be able to hit the ball through the court and you're not going to be slowed down all too much.
2: To me, it's almost like you hear these interviews almost after a match on the day and maybe the conditions felt quicker. You're playing Marin freaking Chilich, and that kind of gives you, you know, perhaps a false sense. I just, the faster than everything but Shanghai and Cincinnati, it's like, I mean, real, I, I love Roger Federer. I have, I play with a, a red and white Wilson encode racket since high school um, or in high school because of Roger Federer. But faster than Australia, really? I mean, do we have to dig through CPI to like the court pace index, pardon me, to to kind of check this? Because I I feel like that might be a slight exaggeration.
0: Yeah, for sure, it's still gonna be slow out there. But I do think the uh, you know the fact that the weather could potentially affect this on a really hot day, the ball is a little faster than you're expecting. Points a little bit shorter could come into play.
1: Wait, somebody really said that it's faster than the Australian Open? Like that's actually a talking point.
2: Federer had the he had the quote with Shanghai and Cincinnati, which implies faster than us than the Australian Open.
1: Okay. Right? It wasn't
2: a direct, but it was an, an implication, if you will.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. No, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I was like, yeah, you don't need to pull out CPI for that. You can just <laughs> watch five minutes of tennis. Yeah. Yeah. Just keep playing it. Like i like how you've been playing prior years. I don't think there's going to be any change year to year, but I don't know if you're new to tennis, just listen to our podcast and we'll give you tips on that.
0: All right. Now there are uh, different courts. We're going to have to take into consideration. There are three short courts here at Roland Garros court, Philippe Chatrier, court, Suzanne Longland and court Simone Mathieu. Chatrier is the main show court. It's got about 15,000 seats. Uh, has a retractable roof, so prepare for tweets about whether the roof is on or off if weather comes into play. It's its own beast. Um, This is where Nadal is uh, notoriously um unbeatable here's what Nadal said in 2019 about this uh, shotre is a bit more complicated to play because of the dimensions of the court are slightly different and also how the wind comes in it's not the same thing as the other courts the court is very huge you can sometimes lose your reference marks many players say it's drier and faster than longlin a little note here all the night sessions will be here so that's new this year so if there's going to be a night session it'll be on the main center court here. Uh, there's about 10,000 seats in Long Longland. And then they're letting everyone in uh, on Simone Metzio. So there's about 2,000 seats. They're going to be additional this year compared to other years. So expect a lively crowd. If a player's coming onto it who feeds off a crowd, I think that that uh, could come into play. Uh, on the third court, it's also sunken, so it's a little bit different. So each of them has their own dynamic, if you will. And then courts one and fourteen are the next largest venues on the site. I will say that court pass will be interesting to track, especially if a player has a lack of experience on Chateauesque, and then also like coming onto it uh, a different court when a player has played on it a couple times. So keep that in mind. The weather here is supposed to be in the mid to high 70s for the first week, 55 to 60% humidity, mostly sunny, with the likelihood of rain to happen uh, Sunday, June 4th. So the conditions. Could be tough in the direct sun with the with that amount of humidity, but it should be should be pretty good for us here. And that is a basic overview here. Let's dip into the outright market here, guys, and some quarter winners. Why not? I'll just open this up. Is anyone going to beat Carlos Acarrez for this thing at plus one? Uh, it's down to one plus one sixty, but I believe Carlos Acarrez will win this uh, event. Anyone feel differently?
2: I mean, there's there's what five or six contenders, right? I mean, you've got. Healthy, it could be as as little as as few as two or three, right? If Djokovic isn't at 100, he hasn't been at all at any point during the clay season. Withdrew from Rome, obvious problems in Monte Carlo, obvious problems in Rome, obvious problems in Bania Luka. That takes one contender out of the race, Then you've got the obvious like Alcaraz, Runa, who still has yet to really prove himself deep into a best of five. So maybe you take him out of the race. Rude has been terrible this year. Steph has. Incredible problems dealing with Carlos Alcaraz. We saw that in Barcelona. And then Medvedev, who I mean, I still really don't buy. And then you've got Yannick Center, right? Those are your those are your real contenders, unless you're taking a long shot with a hunch. Those are your primary contenders. And center also has physical issues that could come into play. It does feel like his his title to lose, even probably even more so than the odds would imply. What, what is he to win? A plus 150 to plus 165. I've seen out there at different books. Feels about right.
3: Yeah, I saw him at plus 160, and I I agree with you guys. I think that this is Alcaraz's tournament to lose. And, you know, you talk about the courts a little bit. I think that there's probably a good chance Alcaraz plays most of his matches on Chatrier, and I think that if you're talking about, you know, passing of the baton between Nadal and Alcaraz in any way, shape, or form, you're going to get Alcaraz playing some of that high-level defense using the court, you know, dimensions to his advantage and playing angles, getting, you know, getting balls back in play. So I do think that there's kind of a natural progression there where he – side of assumes that mantle a little bit and i do think that the play here would kind of be put a few units on alcaraz to win outright and then maybe take some flyers elsewhere
0: djokovic is plus 250 holger runa is plus 900 so about nine to one medvedev is 10 to one sitzipas is 20 to one center at 13 to one i want to talk about center because i i think that center 13 to one to have in pocket is pretty decent i like his quarter at plus 260 it's operating under a medvedev fave they're in the, the same part of the bracket very much an up and down 2023 in a in clay season for center added a montpellier tile on the indoor part of the calendar beat alcaraz in miami uh, but a lot of the same concerns about his servant fitness are still there was gas in the final versus medvedev in miami no clay final appearances lost to runa in monte carlo pulled out of barcelona because of illness skip madrid lost us to rundelo in rome Talked about how they made uh, tweaks to a serve ahead of Rome, too. Uh, that said, I mean, his path is pretty pretty easy. It's like Dimitrov, Zverev with the big guns, Tiafo, Barring a, an utter collapse, I I don't think uh, Sinner will play anyone of of real note uh, until we get to the quarterfinals, to be honest.
2: Yeah, that's about the only thing I've I've taken here uh, with Sinner because there's question marks around a lot of guys, right? Runa has question marks about his career at best of five to this point. Now, he's answered a lot of those Physical issues, or at least questions surrounding physical issues, even in two of three tennis. Or when a few years back, when he was first starting out and was one of those prospects that we're watching, he was cramping up almost every week, even in best of three scenarios. So, or settings. Now we're starting to see that subside a bit. So perhaps that does translate to more success at best of five as well, as he, you know, get gains maturity, gains more repetition, like he he builds more endurance. Uh, as his professional career progresses, entirely possible. But there's question marks there. There's question marks with Djokovic. So if I'm if I'm going to look at all these guys at the top of the board and whittle them down to the five or six guys I think can legitimately make a run at this title, I'm going to take the thirteen to one with Sinner. Right, I stay away from Djokovic and Alcaraz, and I'm in the other half of the draw. I'm targeting Medvedev, who I I still I put him in my top five contenders to win Roland Garros. I still don't believe. Uh, I'm as high on him as a lot of people after Rome, and I don't think I ever will be on Clay, uh, even though his style is super grindy and he can absolutely use that clay to his advantage. So I can fade Medvedev, I can stay away from Alcaraz and pass. and that leaves me with him and Runa. And again, if I see these two guys as relatively equal shots in this half of the bracket, I'm getting one at like you know eight or nine to one. I'm getting one at thirteen to one. I'm going to take the better price. Plus, Sinner ha- is is probably more equipped to deal with Alcaraz in any potential final, as we've seen time and time again in the past when they meet, um, than Runa is. So I just like that number a bit better. It's the one outright I've taken on the men's side.
0: Zach, is there any surprise quarter winner long shots you like from any of the the quarter's?
3: Yeah, I mean, I do have a play on Rude at plus 300. I think that I can make a pretty good argument for Rude at plus 1,800 to win the tournament. Kind of looking at, you know, the way you, you get you get him deep in the tournament and you start hedging a little bit. I did that with Rome, actually. I had him at 35 to 1. Took uh, Runa for a few units to guarantee a profit. I mean, I think that that match was really good. I think that Rude, we kind of mocked him for, you know, the way he chose to take an offseason out to the Australian Open. That really hurt him through some big uh, hardcore tournaments. but. I do think he's rounding into form. I thought he looked really good in Rome, and I think that his game is a really good fit for Roland Garros. I think that heavy topspin forehands is a huge weapon here. And I don't know, with Ruda, like Ruda and Sinner, I I think that the game is there. Like those two are going to win grand slams. I just think has played a little bit too much tennis this year. I think that at some point he's going to break down. I think it's either going to be physical or it's going to be mental. But I think that in a best of five, I trust that Rude would get the job done against him. That's why I took him at plus 300, but yeah, with center, I don't know that he breaks down in best of three sets. So like, I don't know why we should trust him in best of five. I think he's still a little bit away physically.
0: Yeah, uh, 2023 has been an adventure for Rude, who was in the final here last year. I've fallen way off compared to his 2022. I think his match against Runa in the semis of Rome was very representative of his 2023 season, dominant until it all goes wrong. So, you know, he dominated enough that I, 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 I agree with you. Uh, as the only real hurdle for Rude, uh, if he's going to put something together here, he's another guy, Rude, whose pathway is not exactly world beaters in his way. Laheshka, Jari, Girone—these are some of the names. Uh, Bodik not exactly blowing my hair back in terms of competition for Rude just to to reach the quarter here uh, against Runa. So I like that a lot.
3: No, I'm a, I'm a little bit nervous about a booblick matchup. I just think that guy can beat anyone when he's playing well. So it's it's a little bit nerve wracking having that such an early match. But yeah, I don't see him getting tripped up anywhere else on the way to a potential Runa matchup.
0: What about is Bubba got a little bit of a John Daly vibe to anybody? <laughs> like, all, like, dude is like kind of a character, uh, but like super talented. And <laughs> like, if he actually like applied himself, he's
3: charismatic and he's really fun to watch. And like that serve is just such a weapon. So he's a scary guy to bet against.
2: Uh, and you know, he's going to care at least. I mean, we saw in Rome. I was like, oh, it's you know, it's clay, whatever. Do we have the motivation? And he was, he was pumped and ready to go. So I was like, okay, you know what? Geneva, a little bit of altitude. He doesn't have to care as much because his serve can carry him through. And then I I was assigned to watch this match for tennis form. And I got to watch my bet fall apart, love six in 21 minutes. And it was like, I'm just going to hammer first serves and serve and volley everything. And like, it was probably the easiest match Marcos Jerome will ever play on a clay court. He's no clay quarter himself. He was probably like, man, that is the easiest win I'll ever have on this godforsaken surface. It was bad. So at least you know that's – like, it's the French Open now. Like, everyone's trying here. We can we can assuage our, our concerns about a potential Bublik tank, at least in the first round. Maybe the third round. He's like, okay, I've played on this for eight hours this week. I'm freaking annoyed. I'm out of here. But, like, first round, second round, maybe, you know, we can we can trust them.
0: Derek, do you have any thoughts on these outrights or – quarter prices
1: i'm gonna bring center up just one more time and it's just that like what zach was saying like you can't really trust him in three setters on just making it further in a tournament and then now we're looking at five setters that's where i'm just like i'm only gonna bet him to win the quarter like i I don't really have faith in him to win the entire tournament i do maybe in the future but not this one maybe he wins this one but I i think Cutting it a little short for him is the way I'm going to go. So I'm going to take him just to win the quarter, which is only plus 275. Do you have to use the word only in front of plus 275? I don't know, but I just did, but I'm taking that.
0: that where did you get the plus 275? Bovada. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's better. That's funny because they had him shorter on the outright, but they have them bigger than um, the quarter on uh, DraftKings, which, uh, I was using draft gigs on draft kings on the outright, so that's interesting. So make sure you line shop, folks. All right, guys. Well, I, I have to be honest, the, the outright market, uh, and the way the draw is, I don't really foresee a, a ton of surprises. Now, of course, there will be like fucking Stan Morinka making it uh into it. It's kind of like evenly spread with, with, with these guys, uh, and it doesn't leave a lot of room for, for surprises. What do you what do you guys think in terms of the quarters and the,
2: the outright? For me, it's just center. Uh it's funny because I made this point earlier today, too. It's it, it's one of those things where it feels like, oh, there's no Rafa. Two of the big three aren't there. The third one is potentially hurt. This has got to be an open field. And then you're you look down the, the list of players, the seeds, whether they're out of form, whether they're not great on clay, and you're like, there just there aren't that many. It's, it's the most open it's been in a long time, but it's still not open uh in the way that like the women's draw is, right? Especially at the French, where they every year they have like a hundred to one long shot getting to a quarter or a semi. It just, it still doesn't feel like there's that much of a chance. So yeah, no, I'd agree. It it feels like you're looking at the top of the board and just trying to parse through where your percentages may differ from the markets on, on certain guys and maybe just pick off one or two numbers. Like for me, center.
3: I think to throw you know, I could could throw out one long shot. That's another more. It's another play where you just hope they get deep and you hedge it a little bit. I don't think Hachinov should be 130 to one. I know that he just lost to Rome but those odds are outrageous. Like, like, he seems to always make the quarters at these big tournaments. Like, and he's in Djokovic's quarter. Why? I, I, I don't know. Like, if, if Djokovic doesn't show up to play, like, he can, he can make it to the, to the like end of this tournament. You're in a position where you're hedging and guaranteeing yourself like a ton of money.
2: He also has a buy to the third round. I remember looking at his section earlier Constant Lestien on slow clay, who's yeah. been hurt for months. Kipson. And then who's the qualifier lucky loser there? It's, uh, it's Radu Albot. Yeah, that's, that's like a buy to the third round too, for 130 to one. I didn't, I, I honestly did not see 130 on him. If I, yeah, if I, if I have 130 in my books, I'll, I'll definitely be tailing you on that for sure. Yeah. I, I
3: saw it on draft kicks. I, I mean, that's to win the tournament, not the quarter, obviously, but you know, it's just right. get deep enough and you're, you're starting to hedge. So.
2: Yeah, there's a 125 up on the, the first book I looked at. That's okay. Well, there you go. That's a nice little, that's a long shot for sure. I I, I don't think, I think, I don't think I've looked since pre-tournament, but I mean, he's in the same range as Francis Tiafo with a better draw and more clay success. Se, uh, Sebastian Baez, who is not beating more than, you know, the two or three guys maybe he can beat. Uh, yeah. Yalnard Struff, Tommy Paul. I mean, Karen Harnachotov's better than all these guys on clay. And he's got a walk, a couple walk, what do you call them? Walking bys to the third round. I mean, yeah, it's he's easily the the one triple digit number that you that people should be looking at. It's a good good catch there.
0: Any interest in Rublev for the quarter if if somehow Novak goes down. I mean, no, or Rublev has made quarterfinals here twice. If Novak is is gone, he's 5 to 1 just for the quarter because of Novak's presence. Obviously, you know, baiting Novak is not good for your health, but <laughs> a, a, an interesting price there for for Rublev who did win Monte Carlo and is pretty much going to be probably the same Rublev you always expect out there. He's, he's either going to be world class or get randomly beat. Let's keep it moving. I have some round one trends here for people that I think are kind of interesting year over year. Okay. So the round one seeded losses. So these are players that have a seed designation, the amount of times they've lost since 2017. Okay. So in 2022, seven seeds went down in the first round. Same in 2021. 11 seeds went down in 2020. Only four in 2019, six in 2018 and seven in 2017. My takeaway is, is likely around only 20% of the 32 seeds will be sent home in this first match. So favorites are a pretty good look here. I highlighted some seeds, though, that, that could be vulnerable to be a part of that 20%, and you guys could maybe weigh in here. Ben Shelton versus Sinego. He's the 30th seed. Shapovalov versus Nakashima. Korda versus McDonald. Dan Evans is the 20th seed versus Kakanakis. Nishioka versus Wolf He's the 27th seed. And Tommy Paul versus Stricker.
2: I would just, I was, I would throw Cam Nori on that list. And no, I don't say that tongue in cheek. Surprisingly, I am, I am ready, ready to fade Cam Nori with Benoit Pair at like again. It's if it's plus two hundred, I wouldn't go close to it. But man, Benny Pair busted his ass for this wild card. Like he dropped down to French Challengers. He played like the domestic circuit. He even got pissed off when they announced the wild cards early, saying Gaston accumulated the most points to get that wild card. He's like, bro, I'm still playing in an event. I can pass him. What are you doing? I'm thinking the French Federation was like, okay, you've done enough to convince us with your past and, you know, your, your dedication to actually trying to show us, you care. They were going to give him one anyway. I think that's what they did. So it turned out like a bit of foot and mouth for him. But I truly believe Benny pair. Like he, again, he worked his tail off to get this wild card in. He's going to have the French crowd behind him. And he falls into that Fonini category where yeah, he's an emotional guy. And that crowd, you know, the, the home soil thing is like, uh, I think it's an, an, an overused narrative. But with certain players like Kyrgios in Australia, Kokonakis in Australia, Fonini, these temperamental, very emotional kind of guys, that's going to make a difference. And if that's not impacting your number, it really, really should. Cam Norrie, not the most inspiring guy this year. Okay, yeah, he had a great run down in, you know, South America on lesser clay courts. I don't know, man. Benoit Pair can play on any surface. He's got a huge serve. He's got an elite backhand to deal with that spinny Cam Nori forehand. His weak side is his forehand, and Cam Nori has a flat, paceless backhand. It's not like he's going to be rushing him off that wing and cross-court exchanges. everything, motivation is there. Everything lines up well for like a plus 500 Benoit Pair fade of Cam Nori.
1: Yeah, I went the exact opposite way. (laughs) I feel like that the backhand is just going to get neutralized by cam nori's forehand but just that lefty forehand with all that top spin but i mean so you see that backhand actually probably neutralizing Norrie's forehand is that well that's a stronger
2: it? wing yeah that's his strong that's like that's he's when he was playing top 30 top 40 top 50 tennis he was like the male coco Goff, right yeah. he's tall he's like six three six four so he's got a first serve and an elite backhand Mm-hmm. and his forehand is just bad act like it, he really is just a, oh, like a crap. more mentally erratic coco goff right coco is just at least mentally solid even though she's still a teenager which he could never say but like it, it it's really weird in that sense so, like the one wing where cam nori does have a little bit of clay court presence right the spinny forehand that heavy spinny forehand kind of unless he's gonna be playing it a ton down the line or, or inside out i think he's 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 gonna have to uh Find different ways, and he, that's what he does well, mind you. I'm not saying that Benoit Paire should be the favorite, but there's a lot of different factors I like that that make 500 seem like a bit of a ridiculous price on that one.
1: Yeah, I went the exact opposite way. I was wondering why it's only seven games, but yeah, I didn't know that uh, Per actually went through this gauntlet uh, just to get the approval to play this whole thing. And, and then I was thinking, I was like, oh yeah, maybe he might have the French crowd on his back too. And then I'm like this guy's lost the last two years in the first round. So I'm like, I I don't really know how the crowd's really helping him in those situations too. And then his serve, it's like once he gets frustrated and he'll probably even admit this too, is like his serve just falls apart. Once his backhand stops working. And and so Nori's topspin forehand from his lefty uh, forehand just neutralizes that backhand. Then, uh, yeah, then the serve can get out of whack. That's how I painted the, the picture. Um, I guess it could be scripted in any possible way, so uh, yeah, I went the exact opposite way. But
0: John's targeted a pretty big dog uh, versus the favorite here. Zach, what are your thoughts on seeds, favorites, dogs here, and Roland Garros?
3: Yeah, I mean, I guess a few that I think are in trouble. I, I could see Sarundola having a lot of trouble with Munar. and I also think that Fees has a chance to beat Davidovich Mokino, who I don't think. Is as good on clay as people just kind of assume he is. He hasn't really put it all together on that surface. Like people just assume he's like one of the best clay court players in the world because he had one, you know, big title on this on the surface. But he's not. He's really not. And I do think that fees. He's, he's going to have the crowd. He's playing some great tennis in Lyon. I think that assuming, you know, he's gets some rest between that match. I think he's got a really good shot at winning that match outright.
2: Oh, I'm so glad you brought him up, man. It's our boy, thirty-three <laughs> to one in that final. Oh, when we when when looked at the week before a slam, I said it last week. I was like, you got to look for guys that desperately need form. Brandon Nakashima comes to mind. Uh, or young guns that like, they know they're not going that deep at the French Open. So why not try and get a cheap title at the two, at the 250 level with all the talent they have? And that's the guy I went with. And I'm like, man, I'm hoping those cramps don't come back tomorrow. Or even just give me an early break lead against Frank Sarundolo. And I can hedge, right? It's just, it's a little expensive now. But I love that too. If, he, if he's in good form, or at least an over there. Like the way Davidovich Fokina can can spew away sets with his talent. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like you got to love an over, like a plus sets, so, something to do with feels has got, it certainly looks good.
0: Yeah, I feel like Fokina usually has the athleticism edge in, in a lot of his matches, and that certainly won't be the case uh, against a young Frenchman. All right, guys, well, let's dive into another trend I have here. Round one, Quali wins. Okay, so these guys have played three matches coming into the main draw and they, they should be acclimated. However, historically have not fared that great. Last year, only three qualifiers won. 2020 won the same. In 2020, which was off the COVID restart, it did have a, a bit of a peak at eight. And then 2019, only three as well. 2018, another big year with nine. 2017 with five. So, going back six years four of the six years five or under qualifier wins out of the 16 that make the main draw here so you're looking to you know it's draw dependent obviously but despite you know the matches under their legs uh might have taken more out of them than help however i will highlight some qualifiers who i think could win aslan karatsev looks like he's looks like he's back i'll go and then say it <laughs> back ish <laughs> uh, he's taking on alexi poprin uh, i certainly uh, lean karatsev in that match uh, versus. Uh, Versus Bodic. I think uh, Bodic is kind of vulnerable there. Bodic uh, struggles and rallies at times, I think. And uh, Toronto could make a play a lot of balls. Zepieri versus Bublik. Bublik, you never know where you're going to get. Offner versus Cressy. Cressy is not very good, I don't think. <laughs> um, Shang versus JPV. Juan Pablo Vareas. Not sure the health of uh, JPV there. And then Pedro Martinez versus Greek spore Greeks he's been hurt too we don't know his health uh, status as
2: well so that injury could come into play there as well it's a good segue too to talk about retirements right the week before a slam you don't want to sometimes if, if a player retires and especially if you're watching you see what it is you want to weight that into your number the next time they play especially if they're playing the next week I think you you want to take that a, a bit more lightly in this scenario like Felix withdrawing Is it really serious? Martina Trevisan did it. Uh, Nuria Parizas-Diaz did it on the women's side. And by the way, I know we don't do women's tennis here, but I got to say that's one number against Storm Sanders slash Storm Hunter that I absolutely freaking love. And it's all a byproduct of her retiring against, I think it was Trevisan in Rabat down a set. A A lot of these are, if I feel anything at all, I'm done. I'm going to Roland Garros. I'm not jeopardizing whatever that paycheck is in the first round of Roland Garros. So I think the JP that, that speaks to the, the whole one Pablo but has, uh kind of deal. So I, I wouldn't take it too seriously. I just think that shung is live there, regardless of whether he's hurt or not. That is he's, he was a natural clay quarter. Keep in mind prior to the, the Australian, did he qualify in Australia or he went on a little run in Australia. And was like, Oh, look at this kid. Um, IMG product. So he's been known for years. Obviously IMG only picks up like these really talented youngsters, uh, that they can eventually market, uh, but he's, he, I think, won his first ITF on clay and he's got a spinny game. He's he's a clay quarter too. So, so watch for him to win that regardless. Uh, as for qualies, I mean, I think Offner's minus 250 already, which is, you know, <laughs> I guess it's fitting. Um, but I think the, the best way to attack it is just cross certain guys off, right? Like, and there's not a lot to cross off, to be honest. I, I don't know who I'm crossing off this Flavio Caboli. That's one. Right, if, if we're only going to have five or six qualifiers win, it ain't going to be Kaboli over Alcaraz. Skatov against Dimitrov might be somewhat close, but just because Grigor has played five and a half hours the last couple of days and he plays the final in Geneva, and he's also Grigor Dimitrov who can lay an egg at any given time. But I'd probably cross Scatoff off that list unless I'm getting you know plus eight hundred plus nine hundred. I think they're more live this year, but I always think that. You know me, I'm an underdog better. I always think these guys are, are pretty live, so I'm the wrong guy to ask on, on 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 crossing them off. But I think there's a lot of fun fun ones in the um, in the qualifying, and even the worst ones like Radu Albot gets a great draw. He draws Patrick freaking Gibson, who's only here because he did well at like. Green clay challengers in the states to win yeah, the I was a little surprised to
0: see him in the field.
2: Well, yeah, he won the reciprocal while he earned it, right? He earned the reciprocal wild card um, during the clay court season for the Americans because I guess no one wanted to play clay court stuff or they were already in. There's so many Americans with direct entry, like your Jerones, Tommy Pauls, Tiaf. Like these guys aren't competing for that. So you get like the dregs that are competing on the no offense to Patrick Gibson, but I mean, I'm not wrong. The dregs that are competing over in like Tallahassee, Savannah, on not even red clay, like totally different surface. These are the guys that you're getting your wild card to. So, you know, even Kovacevic gets in, I think, on his own. So, like when you're getting that low, it's not the, not the greatest talent left to to distribute that wild card to.
0: Zach, have you been following the the qualifying at all? Anyone caught your eye uh, from this week in, in Roland Garros?
3: I mean, the only one I really want to take is Karatsev. I haven't seen a number on it yet, but. That's one where I'd be almost interested in playing an alternate. I think he's a, I think he's gonna kill popper, and I don't, I don't. I, the only thing that Popperin does better than Karatsev is serve. You know, that's going to be neutralized a little bit by the court. And Karatsev is one of the best returners in the game, in the men's game. It's like that's going to be a matchup where he really should win. And he's been really locked in lately. I know that you kind of never know what you're going to get with him, but he made that run to the semifinals in Madrid. Uh, he beat Medvedev on the way in straight sets. I, I, he's just a really good player. And the fact you're getting him at a a qualifier price, whatever that may be, I think you have to take him against Popper.
2: There's also something to be said for the fact that he's been undervalued quite a bit in this run, right? So it's like the market hasn't caught up. If the market's caught up, it makes it a little tougher because you don't want to be like betting any number on him. But today he was only a three and a half game favorite against uh, Nick Moreno de Albaran. That was on the wrong side of four. I made that number four to four and a half. And like he clears that bar easily, I think that was influenced by like Pierre Hugh Kerber keeping him to two tie breaks. But that's like a, ser- a big server guy that disrupts rhythm, guy that comes to net a lot. Just an odd style to deal with as like a, a powerful baseliner. If you're playing a guy like pop-, pop-, pop who doesn't come to net and who is going to stand with you at the baseline, Karatsev's more natural on the clay. As much as Poprion's improved, improved. I tweeted it today. I do think that he's one of the more improved guys on clay this year. Still though, if you're going to give me Karatsev at a number that correlates anywhere near like, you know, Moreno Dalbaran's number today, or, you know, where he was against young in Madrid. There have been several matches um, in the last couple weeks where he's been undervalued because of, I think the fact that his ranking plummeted and he sucked, but he's, he's won 10 of his last 11 or something. He's, he is back in that groove. And when he's in that groove, he's a, we've seen, he's a top 25, 30, 40 player, and he's not being priced that way. So you're going to get some value as well as, you know, probably uh, the much better player on the surface.
0: Okay. I think we should transition into our, our our best bets here and talk some of these matches down. Get some money on the board here, boys. I'll kick it off with, you mentioned uh, Kovacevic, Alex Kovacevic. Novak is a 10 and game favorite. Novak Djokovic, 10 and game favorite versus said Alex Kovacevic. And that is too short. Kovacevic has played three matches on red clay this year. He's won one set in those three matches. He just Got beat by Gianluca luc Mauger, 6-1, at the Turin 2 Challenger. I think a bagel is in play here. On Bovada, they have any set to nil at plus 160, so uh, they, they, it's on their radar as well. I will gladly lay the 10.5 games. Uh, it, this is actually reminds me a lot of the 11 games that I laid uh, for Novak's first round in Australian Open versus RCB. Kind of reverse though. It was like a clay guy coming on to hard. This is a hard guy coming on to clay. I don't care if there's a... A chance Novak has hurt. I think that, man, this guy's going to have a tough time holding serve. Listeners
2: should remember that Moggert match, by the way, because we literally commentated, almost live the end of it because he freaking choked that second set break and I was on him in that match. I was livid, looked like he was going to choke it. Uh, But that was even less close than the 6-1-7-6 looks like, right? Like that should have been a seven or eight game win in a a best of five match against Moggert. Uh, that's oh, that's all I got to say on that one I don't like Novak's health laying 10 and a half kind of annoys me and if I know if I lay 10 and a half Kovacevic is just going to serve bot like two or three random games every set to tilt the hell out of me and I won't get the one the six one or the six love so I'm going to pass on it but I, I I get why like unless you're go unless you're at 12 it's it'd be tough to keep a lot of people off uh, Novak here Gregor
0: Barrer and Emil Roussevori have drawn each other They've set this at uh, 36 game total. And now this is something I want to talk about. I am going to play the over 36 and a half here, uh, but I do think a a good way to play this, even though I haven't seen this market yet on Bovada and I've been trying to find it, is playing sets over versus the totals just because some guy might tank out a set. Just quit and get like a 6-1 set out of nowhere, and then you're sweating in the fourth set to get that over for the total. I, I like the over with these guys here. You, you could argue berrer actually had the better clay season considering two of Rostovori's four clay wins were 50-50 matches versus Ugo and Bear. They had another, which was a comeback win, versus Tiafa, who also did nothing this clay season. And then Bublik, who we've talked about, very erratic. Early season indoor god berrer picked up five clay wins, including a nice one against Tachanoff, who we already tipped as a potential dark horse in this thing and Rome. I look for both these guys' service games to take them far and trade sets. Uh, Rusevori will likely have enough to outlast the end. Uh, I think the total should be closer to 38, so I'll, I'll, I'll bite on this depressed games line here. Uh, and I like the sets over uh, in a set one over 9.5 up to minus 145 whenever that becomes live as well. Potential to climb the ladder. I think these guys are going to serve and not do much else uh, in this match. I'm going to fade Diego Schwartzman next, alright? He's not been good. Zapata Morales. Has been good. He opened around minus 138. Now I see he's minus 145 on the money line. He's had a solid 2023. 20, if you want to talk about Diego's uh, past success here, keep in mind that Zapata made it to the fourth round here last year. So he's he's had some success here as well. Now, two of those wins in that road were American and Fritz and Isner. But uh, yeah, I just I just don't think... I, I'm willing to take the money line here and finish Schwartzman. Not much to that one.
3: I looked into playing the over on that one just because I think it's going to be just disgusting tennis (laughs) from both guys. And I think that you'll probably see Schwartzman put up a little fight, even if he does lose. So I do see that being something of a lengthy match. I don't really have a lean either way. Uh, I would have liked to think that Schwartzman would have been better for him by now, but you know, he's better than he was the last time they played. I just think it's going to be a long match.
2: And there's something about Diego where it's a couple of his recent losses. I mean, he pushed Nakashima who sucks. Well, Last year was actually okay on clay, uh, but came off like completely cold into that Lyon match. So like twenty two games or twenty one games there, not the greatest. But if you take a look at, you know, his two matches prior, that Arnaldi match, he just got blitzed to start. But then, as soon as his backhand, he 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 figured out that I'm he's supposed to put his backhand over the net that's in the center of the court instead of, like, right into it. Like, the goal of the game is not to put the ball into the net. He actually started to find some success at grinding Arnaldi down. And if there's one guy I'm a little worried about, injury-wise, coming, like, the week before a slam, it would be Zapata, because it's not like he retired after a setter. He lost all nine games to Chris O'Connell. Like, love six, love three, and then he retires. Like, at that point, just finish the match or retire earlier. Like, something feels like that particular set. It's just a hunch, obviously, but that particular scoreline feels like it's not the greatest that as, as something's not right. You take that over there and you get a retirement. You don't lose your Zapata money line bet um, and it would end up pushing or, I mean, worst case scenario, Diego just runs shot anyway, if he's physically hurt and then you'd lose your money line bet anyway. So unless you see him coming off that, that, you know, love six, love three retirement and just crushing Diego I think that over bet does look better, and it gives you a little bit of that insurance as well in case he does uh, end up being hurt and retiring some, somewhere early in the match.
0: Pretty neutral, 36 on the total as well. So yeah, over, uh, definitely a play there. like that a lot. All right, I have Lorenzo Sonego minus four at minus 130 versus Ben Shelton. I got off the four and a half because it was only 15 cents to do so. Man, I really want to back Shelton here, as I love Ben Shelton, uh, and I want to be ahead of the curve on him winning because I think he's going to win a lot on this tour, but this feels like a situation where I'm wish-casting a close match between these two. Uh, in all likelihood, if Shelton does win a set, it'll be a tie break or with a single break. Sanago feels likely to double-break Shelton, as this has happened a lot over his clay season. Broken twice in two different sets by Cechanato in Geneva. Broken twice by Bublik in the third set in Rome. Broken twice in the third set against Gera at the Italian Challenger. Broken twice in the first set against Rude in Barcelona. Dimitrov broken twice in the first set. Team broken twice in both sets, and that's real. Ben's having a hard time holding serve here. So Nago hasn't had a banner clay season either, but is an equally energetic player that feeds off the crowd. A crazy shot maker. Tough road ahead for Shelton, I think. I think this line should be closer to five, uh, and I'll bite on the four. Next one I like, Guillaume Anfis at plus seven, uh, at minus 114 on bet online. On DK, they have him to win a set at minus 110, uh, which I like, but it's to win a set, yes, is how they Have it booked for some reason. Earlier this week in Lyon, you can see it's starting to come around a bit for Monfils. Uh, The stamina is not quite there, maybe game to game. But the movement, the court coverage, the athleticism is resurfacing. Uh, It's how he's able to win his first set of the year on tour versus Kachin. To have a chance to win uh, the match, he's going to need to serve a lot better. Good conditions here for Baez, but it's not like he's coming in on some heater. Lost to Federico Gallo on the challenger level this month. They lost to Shevchenko, who is ascending, but still a bottom of tour challenger guy. Lost to uh, Oscar Atta in a little elevation. So I'll give him that one, but uh, he could be bullied. And, you know, I, I think Mumphies could bully him for a set. I look for a big effort here from the French. And we've talked about the French crowd with Pair already. Uh, I'll chase the big amount of games. I'll chase him to win a set here. I think we're going to get a pretty good effort here from Mumphies.
2: Yeah. that I-, I, will, I-, I will give Baez one bit of reprieve. That match against Gaio was in turn, it was moved indoors. Um, they moved the semis in the final indoors. And that was nice because the market did not react to that for far too long. I saw someone uh, retweet the official announcement in Italian, which is nice because not everyone just clicks, translate, tweet to see what the hell they're saying. Um, and Guy was like plus 375. And it's the funny thing is he's a guy who has kind of turned himself after 30 in from a clay court grinder into a hardcore player because he doesn't have the stamina anymore. Uh, so that was a nice little fade. I jumped on that. So I can, I can forgive bias there because he's just absolute dog doo-doo. Uh, anywhere off of clay courts like let's be real but that's and I agree man I think Malfese is and he shows he showed spurts of it against Shevchenko in I think Phoenix and he's shown spurts here and there but it's starting to be like three four five game stretches instead of one or two games or a couple points in a row that's starting to build up a little bit and Baez he's he's someone that he's he's going to struggle to control a lot of points if he doesn't land his first serve can be broken. I, I like the set market there more than the plus seven too, in case Malthis takes the first, does run out of steam in the in the third and fourth, and you end up getting screwed on that plus seven with two lopsided sets to end it. All
0: right. Well, I've talked a lot here. Zach, do you have any anything on your card you want to talk about?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I hit on him a little bit already. I, I like Arthur Fee's minus 125 to win a set against Davidovich Mokina And then I'd also sprinkle a little bit on the plus 350 money line. I just think that's gonna be a really close match. I do have Benoit Pair plus 100 to win a set against Nori. and then one that I'm I'm looking at it's another uh, big dog, but I like Ramos Vilas plus 230 against Wawrinka. I know that that's uh you know this has not been a really good season for play for Ramos Vilas. That's actually an understatement, but you know age has kind of been his issue. Like he just looks older out there. He doesn't look as athletic as his opponents, but that's not going to be an issue against Wawrinka. And I just don't think that you know Stan's shown enough this season to be that big of a favorite against a clay court specialist who I could just see
2: winning this match, you know, rather easily. I
0: will say Stan's ball bashing will come into play.
2: That's a fun one. Cause like I can see the, I actually had that tab open when I go through Oddsport with all the, cause they have a, a bunch of the offshores that I use yeah. that are regulated up here. And it's, it's one of those things where I pull the tab open. I'm like, Oh man, I'm loving Stan minus the games. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like, This is best of five. And if Ramos Vignoles, he could lose the first set 6-2. I can absolutely, or 2-6. I can absolutely see that happening. But then Stan, you know, if he could just take the second, then I'm hating my bet. Even if it's like, you know, it's 6-2, 6-7 Stan, and I'm up three games after two sets. I'm more worried about him surviving a third and fourth set playing 8-10 to rally balls with Ramos Vignoles on on slower courts. Man, that worries me. And it's Vign- ramos Vignoles doesn't hate that that heavy topspin because he's a natural clay quarter. He deals with it all the time. That's what's got me really concerned. And so I ended up not playing Stan, and I've almost talked myself into ramos Vignoles just on the pure like uh, like endurance or stamina question.
3: Yeah, and then just one last one I have is I'm keeping an eye on Fabio and, and uh, Ajay Aliasim. I'm looking for over three and a half sets there if we can get plus money at anything. I I do think there's a pretty good chance that Fognini wins at least two sets, so that's another plus money option. I just think that's going to be that's going to be an awesome match. I think that he's going to have the crowd in his favor. I think it's probably I'd guess it's his last French Open, and I just think that that's going to be a really good match. And you know, yeah, Roger, I, I see him comes into this with injury question marks, hasn't had a good 2023 season. That's that's one where I could easily see an upset as well.
0: I know John's uh, oh. simpatico with you there.
2: Yeah, I mean, my only issue with Fabio is. It sounds stupid to say, but this is Fabio. Keep that in mind, right? I almost feel like he probably was going to be more motivated for Rome than the French Open. Like, his wife and kids were there. It was an Italian crowd. Like, he's not necessarily going to get that support here. I think he probably does get more crowd support than Felix, who's a little bland, even though he's a French-Canadian member. The the French are not fans of the Quebecois in general, so it's not, like, guaranteed just because his name is Felix seen that he's going to have the French crowd with him. He might. Uh, but But... Keep that in mind too. So and Fabio's just like an entertainer. So if he does have the crowd, I do I think I'm with you. I'm just worried about his motivation levels, which is crazy to say at the French freaking open um about him. But I, I wanted to go one other because we you talked about feels, and I actually told the guys in our chat last night, I'm like, if you're gonna do a degenerate parlay, you may as well make it like super high odds. So I did what I'm gonna call the aller Arthur parlay, and it's gonna be outside Cazot, an outfield feels both to win their matches put them together throw like 20 bucks on it i think it'll net you like a couple hundred why not you know what i mean like content what is that stamina is starting to come back the backhand is terrible the offense is just is struggling and Cazo is far is far younger than his fellow frenchman but he's already infinitely more mentally kind of solid on court and the, the defensive abilities he was showing, I believe was it Baldo with the challenger, the 175. I was getting really annoyed with him, man. Like Thomas Echeverry should have absolutely flattened him that day. And he just got everything back and he's got a decent first serve. And he, especially when he could, he spins some of them, he can put them out wide. He can also hit them pretty hard. He backed that up even on clay well over 70% of the time. There's a lot to like about this kid's game. He's been a, a prospect since I think 2020, injuries have derailed him when he he won the australian uh open juniors against uh uh harold mayo his his compatriot as well he's got a decent he's got pop to his game he defends well he's he's starting to move a bit better on clay especially in a best of five match i know it's he's not used to these uh matches yet but it's not like mute is is able to hit a backhand one and he's pretty fresh off injury as well so I think the the Cazo, even at even money, it's been bet down 10 or 15 cents, but even at even money, uh, I don't mind that.
0: Derek, any bets uh, that you're looking at?
1: We've talked a lot of crap on this guy in our own chat a few weeks ago, back when he uh, made it to the final. <laughs> but I'm going to be back in John Leonard's roof again. Yeah, he's minus three against Lehechka, who's lost three consecutive. Well, you're races. a LaHechka
0: hater, so this is uh, in line with brand
1: Okay, so, yeah, so I'm checking two boxes already right off the top. And so he's lost two, no, three consecutive first-round matches, and then he pulled out of the last match he was in, so I don't even know if he's injured. He hasn't played in, what, two weeks now since uh, the 15th was, like, the last time he's played, so, yeah, like a week and a half. So he's been missing tournaments clearly on purpose so probably to heal so i'm guessing that he's injured going back to previous episodes like yeah we don't get injury reports we just kind of have to guess and this to me is a logical guess that he's injured so he's has i I looked
0: up uh, on his socials and nothing to report on those either
1: yeah so yeah i I didn't expect to post him in a cast or something or him be like with two thumbs up saying that he's okay. truth. Yeah, he had that run uh on like quicker courts in altitude at Madrid, but he also had like a good run at Monte Carlo, which is similar courts to to Roland Garros. And he lost in the quarters, but he didn't beat like Ramos Vignolas, Demonor, and Rude. So it's a variety of players. Um this is a bit of a play of in form versus not in form, but I don't really see the tide changing here. It's kind of curious to me that it's only minus three, though. It makes me kind of think it's a trap bet, but like I'm well, saying.
0: Now you have to bet, Laheshka. Yeah, right. But I, <laughs> we I, I have really a rule, Zach. If, if the word trap organically comes up, you have to bet the other side.
1: <laughs> but then at the same time, it's like we also have a rule. Like if we think that he's injured too, right, or at least I have that rule, and there's nothing showing that he's gotten any better, then He's still injured, so I'm confident with this minus three for Struve.
2: Mahach has also just been downright bad. Yeah. Like he cannot find the court, Um, and he's a guy who's in the past. Like he, this series had his success on quicker hard courts. So now on clay, where I think in the past he was probably a little more proficient, he's really struggled. He's Thomas Mahach from the, the Czech Republic's like this too. Where I mean, the guy can does not have the rally tolerance for clay courts. He's got the weapons from the baseline does not have the rally tolerance to deal with it. I think LaHechka's kind of spun off into that, that kind of abyss in the last few weeks. Where she, I mean, losing one and one to Alex Shevchenko, I am the biggest Shevchenko backer. I've been backing him all year. I've been following him since Damian Kust on the Challenger Tour podcast brought up that he worked with, Gunter Breznik, who kind of works with, picks and chooses some talented kids to work with, huge ground strokes. But I don't think he's 10 games better than the <laughs> freaking LaHechka at this point. So, I mean... I think there's a fade there, and yeah, I'm no, I'm no Stru, booster by yeah. any means, but I'll be with you on that one.
1: Yeah, it's like uh, he did hack his way into the final at Madrid. Like that's oh, for it's sure. disgusting.
2: Yeah, yeah, what he did sure. to Stepanositsi pass should be a freaking crime. That was that was absolute thievery, theft of the highest magnitude.
1: Yeah, like he should be faded at some point, but I don't think you fade him in this round.
0: Speaking of uh, disgusting and, and uh, thievery and, and <laughs> filthy, uh, I actually think John Isner is a pretty good bet
1: here in the first <laughs> round. Oh, I, I thought you were going to talk about the Miami Heat again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, we love Nuno Borges on this podcast. I came through for us in Rome versus Lajovic cashing multiple bets, uh, but uh, this is way too much of a dog price on Isner. who's made the third round here last the last two years. Is he coming in here on a four-match losing streak? Yes. Has he not played since April 8th and skipped all clay season? Yes. I don't care. He's played this a million times. He's going to do one thing and one thing only, <laughs> and this match will likely come down to tie breaks and at 180. I mean, it's a worthy chase. We We know... Nuno could be overpowered. We saw Nuno losing straights to an Isner type in Halys and his home country in Ester real. Isner beat Halis here last year, by the way. I, I don't like that the books are making me do this, but here
2: we are. He's also got a repeatable game, right? Like it's not we see it with Sebi Korda. We talked about this, I think, in the chat too. Like Sebi Korda's coming back and he's got huge ground strokes. Alina Spidalina too trying a very, very like mixed counter punchy slash power slash consistency game that takes a while to gain your rhythm, to find your footing from the baseline when you're just standing up and pounding serves. Like John Isner could hit at his local tennis club every day, 150 serves. And his game is still in tip top shape. You know what I mean? Like he's not really losing out all that much because his game is, is fairly one dimensional. And the kind of nice part about that for him is that it's easier to maintain when he does take months off. And look, he could find a break of Nuno Borges' serve. Nuno was great in that middle part of the Steph match. He was terrible at the end on serve, terrible at the beginning, but he found creative ways to find relatively cheap holds of serve, which I was surprised about. Luckily, Steph still came through on that, like, I think minus five or minus four, whatever it was. But it's not great when when he is always going to be the guy that struggles to create chances on return and his own serve is almost going to by default give up chances uh to his opponent so yeah even if it's three tie breaks i'll take the coin flip with with the plus 180 and if if Isner could find a break that's one set in the bag out of three it's it, it, that's a generous price for sure all
0: right guys well let's round to the finish with any last thoughts last bets john anything that's sticking out to you on your card that we haven't talked about
2: yeah i gotta go live itch man um i've watched a lot of zhang zhizhen this year and last year, uh, I know Iovich. Since that Bony run, probably not the best. Zhang all quarter, but he's just so erratic. I, I, he really does remind me—not in maybe technique or approach or whatever—but he's so much like Chapo when, when when his power is on. God, it's a sight to behold. And if it's—he's also one of those guys. If you lose a bet to him because he is on, it's like fine, bro. You're beating anyone on that day. Good for you. I'll eat my loss and go home. But on a slow clay court against a natural clay quarter who plays a spin, who can extend rallies, who can generate angles, that's important because you can if you can pull him off court or into the doubles alleys, he's hitting a lot of shots on the run. And that means he's hitting much lower margin for error shots. And he doesn't have that second gear where he pulls back and plays patient tennis. That's gonna end up sure. There's gonna be some beautiful winners that go against you. There's also gonna be a ton of unforced errors that go your way. Three and a half games here. I've got this legitimately a full game off if not a game and a half off minus five can be pushed easily in four sets or even one in four sets depending on um you know where the, obviously depending on where the other set scores go but three and a half this can this is a number that again could theoretically with service order and all these other factors be covered in four even five sets and live to me is just a much much better clay quarter I think we're looking at a little bit of dip in form, maybe a letdown period. I don't know what it is after Banyaluca. But I don't think, I think we're overcompensating here for one, a loss to Hari okay. in altitude. By the way, he's on like a crazy altitude clay run. He won Santiago at 400 meters of altitude. He's winning Geneva, or he's won four matches in Geneva. That's not the worst loss. Borges was bad. But even in Madrid, he lost to Jan Leonard Struve, who, as we all know, Scammed his way to the final there. And that's an altitude that was the week after his title run too. So like one bad loss in Rome does not mean he should, he should, you know, or Jung should be credited almost a game and a half on the spread for me. Maybe my number's wrong. I just think that that's a ridiculous uh, three and a half to be, to be putting up.
0: That's fair. Quickly Draper or Etcheverry. Who you got Zach?
2: Yeah. I think I'd go Etcheverry just because
3: I'm a little bit nervous about the humidity and the weather there, I could see Draper, you know, not being able to go the distance there.
0: He does have fitness issues. I, I do worry. Um, I talked about this in the last podcast. Uh, I actually said that's should be able to ha- handle the bears power based off his uh, match with Tiafo going toe to toe with him. But I'm, I'm worried that power might be uh, a little kryptonite there for Echeverry and Draper certainly bringing that, but uh, yeah, man, that's going to be a tough one. I, I kind of like the over. Uh, And that one, and then my man, Wolf, JJ Wolf, we'll we'll end on the Wolfster. I mean, I really want to pick Wolf, but I think it's a bad setup here uh, against Nishioka, who's going to make him play a lot of balls.
1: I already bet Wolf. Uh, Do I regret it? I don't know. I'm currently looking at my little bet slip here. I can get my money back right now if I wanted to. (laughs) I'm not going to do it. I already committed to it. I'm not just going to overthink this. Uh, Nishioka hasn't had that great of a year. Wolf's got power. I mean, Nishioka can hit the ball back, but I mean, I think he struggles with with overpowered hitters, right?
3: Correct. Yeah, he's one of the most breakable guys there is, too.
2: Yeah. Yeah so every every time i watch him hold serve i'm like man he finds creative ways to hold serve then you look up his hold rate you're like oh but he only does it like 68 to 72 percent of the time (laughs) so like he struggles and he gets there a lot of the time but it's still like one of the lowest rates on tour it's just so impressive when it happens like
1: (laughs) oh it's an adventure every time he holds serve it's pretty fun to watch his matches but all for all the wrong reasons not for betting reasons but yeah i mean i saw Wolf at minus one twenty. I think it was even better I went right? And I still thought one twenty was a good deal. So yeah, uh, I'm already locked and loaded. I can unload it, but I'm not going to. <laughs>
0: let's go. Let's. I'm. Let's go, Wolf, man. I'm. I'm down. I'm betting Wolf. I'm going to root for the Wolf, man. You don't. He's have He's to, been, been impressive. No, I know, but he's been
2: impressive.
0: <laughs> nishioka has been bad.
2: One other thing, um, before. It wraps up when you brought up the etchary match. That's the one I kind of there are some certain books have these like derivative or like uh prop kind of plays where it's a player to win from behind. So from down a set kind of thing, which by the way, if I if you fade my picks, uh ha- like so many of my losses would make you a millionaire on these damn freaking markets. But <laughs> like God, I hate those. If you could try and take advantage of one with the right scenarios here, Rinderdeck against Gasquet would fit that bill. Um, Gasquet spoke at the, after his second match with Michael Emer recently about like clay is tough for him. It gets physically, uh, kind of tiring and, and all the balls he has to play. And we saw that happen against Wuya Bing. Where was, was that Rome? I think, uh, where he was just dominating the first set. It was six, three, but it was the double break. Cause he broke to end the set. And then he just fell apart. Those balls, even with the topspin, were landing, landing way too centrally. Wu just started taking over and, and pretty much ran him off the court after that. Fits in with what Gasquet was saying in these matches. He can wear down. Would not be surprised if an out-of-form renderneck, who has been finding some form, uh, not the greatest, but finding some form, could lose the first set. But those big serves and those big forehands just, again, continue to wear Gasquet down in a best-of-five format. Uh, he's struggling. He's admittedly struggling physically. In best of three, I'm not sold that he's he's ready to go at the French Open. Maybe the crowd carries him over the line. Who knows? But I, I, I'd look for that. And the Echeverry match that you brought up kind of reminded me. That's another one where Draper wins that first set. Um, I'm hoping to have like a plus five six hundred ticket on the Etcheverry to win from behind. Might be like plus three hundred something like that.
0: All right, guys, we've said it all on Roland Garros for now. Uh, Zach thank you for joining us I would love to, to give you an opportunity here to to plug away at, at all your stuff I know you have a lot going on so where can people find all of it
3: yeah thanks I'm going to be doing uh something called bet du jour over at tennis.com over the next two weeks just uh one bet a day for them and then over at v-sin I'm going to be doing you know something between two to four like a best bets daily type of thing and yeah I'll have a lot of action throughout the week I'll be up early uh over here and I'm looking forward to, to rolling out. This is probably one of the my favorite majors. So
0: Awesome. Well, thank you once again for joining us. Uh, you can follow John at JRTweetsTennis. You can follow Derek at Ferrer versus Nagal. Follow us at MP9Tennis. Uh, please do subscribe if you're a first-time listener to your favorite podcast platform. Until next time, see you on the court.